Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip, innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation for marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Today's guest has been involved in helping over 35-plus companies get started and thousands of businesses work through stuck points from small and medium-sized businesses in a variety of industries to big names like Tony Robbins and CBS Television. And today, he's here to share his insights with us. So please welcome CEO and professional conversion strategist with Business Success Factors, Doug C. Brown. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. Hey, we are grateful that you're spending the time. So you have been doing uh, helping companies succeed for a long time now. We kind of want to know where all this started. Now, I know that on your website, you mentioned that the first business you started was with your family's business at the age of three. I, I really have to know how this, how did this all start for you? <laughs> so my dad uh, had a motor business. He had a, a machinery repair company for industrial equipment. And <clears throat> I don't know to date whether or not this was he wanted uh, you know, low cost labor, or he <laughs> wanted to teach us a lesson uh, about business and sales. But at the age of three, I started working for him. I was sweeping floors. Uh, I was doing it for 25 cents a, a week. Wow. And, you know, back then when you're three years old and you get to go to the, the candy store, which is penny candy, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty cool. Right. So, um, but I, about the age of five, five and a half, they started pushing us out in front of clients and I'd be writing orders and, you know, I'm sure my hand, my penmanship was very <laughs> poor uh, because back then you didn't type, you, you, you wrote in the orders. But uh, that's where I really learned about uh, negotiation, sales, selling on value and all kinds of different things uh, starting out at that young age. And so, uh, so when was your first uh, official kind of business that you kind of started on your own? <laughs> Uh, well, I would say that was probably around the age of seven or eight. Um, I have to think back to the, so my brothers had um, paper roots and they didn't want to do their paper roots. And so I was like, heck, if I go out and I subcontract from them, right, I'll, uh, I'll get paid. They'll make a little money because I wasn't old enough to go get a paper route at that point. So that's what I did. And I had a couple of their paper routes and I would drive, I, you know, I'd ride my bike around or I'd walk around and I'd deliver papers. And that's how I started making money originally. That's amazing. Uh, subcontracting, you've started your own subcontracting business at seven. That's pretty, <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about uh, some of the lessons that you learned working there for your, for your father, that maybe that you still, uh, that, that still stick with you today. What, what are some things that he taught you? Well, our, our end, so some positives are, you know, our end goals or our end desires are really um, achievable by our own commitment to that determination of getting it done, right? Mm-hmm. So not everything goes as fast as we want it to or cost what we want it to do. 
But what I learned was, you know, point your nose in one direction and keep taking a step every single day. And you will get to your your destination as long as you keep uh, adjusting and stay open. So I learned that from my dad, um, you know, because it wasn't all like in, in any business, it's all not just like, hey, we went from zero to $50 million in, you know, a week. Um, you know, it took a, a period of time. So I also learned uh, from my dad not to build a business on my back because that's what he did originally. Mm. And I remember when I was uh, 18 years old, uh, I was going to go into the military at the time. And, and my dad was just he came to the, the business one day, put the key in the lock, locked it and walked away. And I said, what are you doing? He's like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so, so it was interesting um, from that perspective too. So, you know, building a business on our backs uh, is, is not a good thing if we want freedom of time or energy. So those were a couple of lessons I learned from that, that part. And I, and I also learned I, I'm not a good employee for other people. I tried that in between, right? And I'm just not. Uh, my dad brought us up to be free thinkers and keep our mouths open uh, and let people know what we think that could improve their business. And quite frankly, not everybody took the message from a 15-year-old kid, right? Sure. So. <laughs> That's great. Um, so you have been doing business success factors now for how long? Uh, about, geez, I'm starting to get old, uh, about 21 years now I've been doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. And, and tell me, tell me a little bit about what, what specifically you do. How are you helping businesses through this, through this organization? Every company out there has blind spots there. I don't care what size I've worked with companies that are startups to small entrepreneurial ventures to, you know, huge multi, multi-billion dollar corporations, they all have blind spots. And so really what I do is I detect what those blind spots are and I figure out, you know, what's working, what's not working, what should be working, what should be working more optimally. And I come in there and I do an assessment on the company and I figure that out. And then what I do is uh, help them build a revenue growth plan around that. So we assess the processes, the systems, the people, and, what we always inevitably find is there's usually two to five things that if they just did these two to five things, they'd get a significant bump in their revenue. And so, you know, I'm kind of like that pioneer or that discoverer of, of that information originally. And then once we get the game plan together, I help them implement that into that process. What would you say is one of the biggest things companies are missing in that area? Ooh, there's so many. Um, I will tell you one of the big things that I find all the time that, that companies can go back and monetize is just go back to your dormant or past clients. So many people are neglecting the people that they've already served. And I don't mean neglect in a bad way. I mean, just they aren't staying in touch. So there's twofold to that. Go back to the past and dormant clients, re-engage them. You'll pick up business immediately. But also look at your follow-up uh, processes and, you know, how, how relevant or how uh, humanized and how connected is the follow-up that you're sending out? Or, or if you're not sending it out, send some out at least, right? Stay in touch with people because there's a lot of sales expansion and repeat business, referral business that's just lost to the, uh, those two things. Mm. What do you think of the some of the more significant characteristics that a good salesperson needs to have to be able to to really succeed at the level that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, honesty is number one, right? Doing the right thing by the client. So, 
too many salespeople are afraid to walk away from a sale that's not the right sale. And then they end up enrolling the or contracting somebody into an agreement and then it doesn't go all that well. And they go, oh, oh geez, we got a bad client. No, you had a bad sales decision on the front end to acquire mm. a good client that wasn't a fit for your company, right? So, I, you know, having integrity really never hurts anyone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and so... The reality is, is uh, you know, honesty. Be the first to disengage if you know it's not the right thing for 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 people. So that that I would say that's the number one. Number two is <clears throat> you got to be a massive prospector. So you know the uh, the the master prospector will always outsell the master closer. I did not have at one time. I would say probably you know the top three percent of all sales skills in the world. Um, but I knew how to prospect and mm. I had 62 incoming calls a day coming into my line and I was outselling divisions of other companies all by myself. And the reason behind that is not because there were better salespeople than I was there, but they didn't know how to go out and get the contacts and the leads and drive them in. That's a real key in sales success. And you've worked with some really big names. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of those uh, experiences. Can you give me some of your client uh, successes uh, that you've worked with, like Tony Robbins, for example. Yeah, Tony was a great, uh, a great, uh, I would say, deal for for both of us. I learned a lot from Tony, uh, and you know his company. I ended up becoming the independent president of training and sales for his business divisions with a man named Chet Holmes as the co-owner of that, and I was able to increase their close rate by forty three point two percent. Uh, we went, well, actually we went from 16.8% to 43.2% in four months, uh, just instituting consistent standardized training. And um, and I took one of his product lines, they were selling eight a month at uh, $900 a month. And I took that from eight a month to 353 a month selling at 1450. So, you know, it was really, he's a really smart guy. I, um, I learned a lot from Tony. I respect him a great deal. You know, whether you like him personally or not, listeners, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, to me, he was really great. Uh, and, you know, so he was great. Uh, you know, Intuit was another one of my companies. Uh, they were, they were actually, they were losing money on a division at the time. And we went in and we discovered, remember I said, it's only one or two things, sometimes five things, right? Mm-hmm. We discovered a couple of things. One of them was messaging. And so they went from a seven million, a ten million dollar loss to a seven million dollar gain in twelve months on that division um, by adjusting their messaging and using something which we call education based marketing. Mm. So, so just just switching up the marketing messaging was the, was the key for that. Yeah, it, it always is, Jeff. It never never ceases to amaze me. You know, a lot of like I have friends, you know, that are still looking for Mrs. Wright or, you know, somebody like that. Right. And I said, well, what are you saying to them? And they'll tell me what they say. And I'll go, you're never going to get anybody's interest that way. You know, it's like, let's change your messaging around. So they do. And then they go, geez, I got a couple of dates. Yeah. Right. Because what most people do is they give messaging out. That's not really relevant or important or valuable to the other person. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, even in large companies, you know, uh, multi-billion dollar corporations, sometimes they've been doing it so long that they miss what's going on in today's market. And we just adjust the, the messaging for today. Yeah. 
Now, I know that you you do a lot of sales training and can really help companies in that area. Um, is Do you think that anybody can be a salesperson? Do you think you could train mm-hmm. anybody with the right skills? It depends on the type of salesperson that they, the role that needs to be fulfilled. So the answer is no, mm-hmm. right? Um, however, it's a very high percentage of people that can. And now the reason I say no is because some people just don't have the will to sell. They don't mm-hmm. have the sales DNA. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're all selling every single day. I mean, if any of you ever have children uh, who are listening to this, you're going to see the master salespeople in, in action at a very young age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least mine were too. Yeah. Um, and you know, the reality is that there are certain people who just don't like to sell. They don't like to sell. So in that case, you're not going to put them out as a hunter because they're going to get a massive amount of rejection most of the time. Um, and they they just don't handle it well. However, that same person who doesn't have that will to sell might have the will to nurture. Mm-hmm. And so they may make somebody really happy in say customer service or post sales support. You know, a lot of engineers, for example, they don't like client facing stuff, but they love to help implement. So it really depends on how uh, how specific we get on the role. Then we match up the uh, the people, and that's why I said no because not everybody fits into that particular uh, mode. Now, could anyone? Yes, but you know, if we're something and we try to be something else, we're not really authentic at that point, and it, that comes through. Yeah. All right. So looking back uh, through all of the experiences that you had, would you say there's was there ever a moment that you I guess that a failure that you can look back to that really taught you a lesson on how to be a good salesman today. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, how many of the thousands that I've made <laughs> do you want? Um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest failures that, that sales people make in selling or growing their revenue is they, they really, they think they know what their clients want. They think because they have been, in the industry or they went to school or that whatever it might be, right? They think they know what their clients want and they're going to buy it. And what I have found, and I have made this big failure uh, many, many times, uh, you know, especially in my youth is, well, we all got great ideas. They're all going to get monetized. Everybody's going to buy our great idea. But the reality is once we go back and we actually ask the, the potential buyers, what would they want? How do they want it? In what capacity? How do they want it delivered? What would they pay for it? Right? Those type of things. Once we know that information, we can custom tailor a message specifically to the language they're using that is important and valuable to them, which is driving two sides of the quadrant, which would be the professional ROI they're looking for in business and the personal ROI they're looking for in business. And that's where a lot of people miss it in sales. It's a lot of the the communication and messaging because sales is nothing more than a conversation to lead to a win-win outcome. We talk a little bit about failures. What's one of the successes you're most proud of? So if you look back, something that you just, you really feel like this was the moment that kind of, I don't know, made you feel like that you're you're really succeeding. And then how do you measure success when it comes to sales? Okay. So on a personal level, it's my two daughters and what they've become, right? Um, Because I never thought as a father, I could ever have such great, uh, outstanding kids who, 
you know, are achievers in this regard without, uh, you know, the, the guidance. And I, so I thought I was giving them good guidance, but now I know as they get older, I actually did. So on a professional level, I would say, wow, uh, on a professional level, what would be my biggest success? Uh, I think I've a couple of them, uh, you know, I'm a pretty humanistic type guy. Um, there were a couple family businesses that I actually saved from uh, imploding and the families from actually, uh, I don't know, becoming the Hatfields and the McCoys of, 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 you know, today's history. So, you know, there's one company in particular, they, they, they weren't a huge company. They were doing about $4 million a year and they were just having massive communication problems internally within the company. And I was able to go in there and help them resolve those challenges uh, as well as improve their revenues and their company still exists today. So to me, that was a massive win. You know, a lot of people think, well, okay, well, geez, you, you know, you added $17 million to say into it, or you help CBS or you help Procter and Gamble or whoever the, the large name would be. Um, yeah, I made a dent, but the, the bottom line is that didn't impact probably as many people as these family businesses actually have. So I, to me, that would be a, a huge success. I did help one guy go from 5.7, a family business. He went from 5.7 million to 8.3 million in uh, two weeks. And that really helped out everybody in the family because the revenue came in a lot quicker than they thought. And, it, and, and quite frankly, it was just one thing that I thought was going to work and we put it in play and it worked better than we actually thought it was going to. Obviously, different companies may have different uh measuring points or measuring sticks for what success is when it comes to sales, whether it's numbers or dollars or uh, close rates or whatever. How, what do you think is, is the best measure for success in sales? Well, I, I definitely think profit more than revenue because, you know, you can sell $5 million worth of things, but if you're $400,000 in the hole, by the time you get it done, uh, you know, I mean, it depends on how you position your company. If you want acquisition, sometimes it's not bad to take a loss, but for the most part, really, I, I, I gauge things in the terms of profit, right? Be, because one of the big challenges you mentioned about challenges in sales, um, one of the big challenges a lot of people do is discount. They discount down. So what they don't realize is, you know, if they discount down 15%, They've got to sell X amount of new items in order to make up for the discounted price plus all of the other cost of sale that comes along. So it could be, you know, eight sales to break even on a 20% discount, for example. Um, in mathematically, we could work that out depending on what the margins were. So I always look at profit because, you know, if you have a $10 million company today and you net $8 million in profit or you have an $80 million company and you net 4% in profit, which one would you want, right? So it's always, uh, I tend to look at profit. So when we raise revenues, we look at the profitability of what we're actually doing because many times raising revenue is great, but when you can raise that profitability, it gives cash for people to work with that they didn't have in the past. What would you say is one of the most important, uh, I guess, system or axiom that you've learned or that someone has told you uh, that has led to success that you could share with our listeners as we go? You've got to create a sales process, but you got to create a sales system first, right? So customer journey, 
from A to Z. And customer journey begins before your marketing ever goes out. So what are we doing from the beginning? And what do we want that customer experience to be like all the way through? And more importantly than what we want is what do they as the buyer want to go through? So we map all of that out and then we we put a system behind that and then we put a process around that. And a lot of companies, if they don't do this, they can't scale effectively. And that's where a lot of them get stuck. You know, they start out in the beginning, you know, two guys get together, they figure, or two guys and two gals get together and they figure, hey, we're going to start this company. They start driving it to a million dollars, million and a half, $3 million. All of a sudden they haven't built this in. They haven't looked at it and the, the business starts to get very heavy on them. And so, you know, eventually they find out that they have really high paying jobs and they start to burn out like my dad did, quite frankly. You know, my dad was a brilliant guy and he had calls coming in from all over the world. I mean, I remember on Christmas day, he's like, guys, I got to go. I can't have Christmas dinner with you because there's an emergency and I got to fly to South Carolina. Hmm. And, you know, so I, I really think putting that customer journey first of what is the end results and putting the systems and processes. And then you can, then you can look at the people and say, okay, do the people actually fit the role. And to me, that's extreme success on being able to scale uh, and grow with sanity. Yeah. Wow. That's really good stuff. Before we go, I do want to give you a chance to tell folks how to find you, your website. And I know you have some materials that you want to share with our listeners. Sure. The, the website is businesssuccessfactors.com. Um, LinkedIn's Doug Brown, one, two, three, four. And uh, I have a, uh, I, I always recommend people take a look at one of these two assets. Uh, one is what we call a sales and marketing uh, checklist. And really what it is, is a self audit on how you doing on your marketing, how you doing on your sales. And they could get that at businesssuccessfactors.com forward slash checklist. Uh, and I wrote a book called Win-Win Selling, How to Resolve uh, Objections. How do you get more profitability by resolving objections? So I go into the, the uh, philosophy and, on communication and how communication uh, manifests, how objections manifest. And I take people through not just on a, you know, hey, they said this, you say that, but give them a formulaic process to understand where all these these objections come from and where communication goes bad. And they can get that book at winwinsellingbook.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. We really appreciate your time. Jeff, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate your interview style and, and how you carry yourself as a person. So thanks for having me here. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of What Makes Them Tip. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.